So I'll just make that invitation to you. You may want to chew on it as we're uh, looking at the Bible, the Word of God to us uh, in just a moment. But uh, I just want to make that invitation to you. If, if that's you and you want to know that, we'd love to pray with you later on at the end of this time together this morning. Uh, we are going to uh, come and look at the Word in a moment. Just to, by way of introduction, um, I'd just like to say thank you, church, for all of you who prayed for us as elders while we were away this week. Uh, we had two fantastic days away together. Uh, we felt we really met God uh, together, enjoyed God together, felt him talking to us about the future of our church and things which he was wanting to highlight that we need to be looking at and addressing over this next, se- next season. Uh, so thank you for your prayers. We so appreciate that uh, prayer support for us on those days. And we'll be sharing uh, something of uh, what God spoke to us over the next, uh, uh, probably in a couple of months' time, as once we've process it, processed it and worked it through, uh, we'll be sharing a lot more uh, about that. Uh, but thank you for your prayers. Um, just a comment if you're a guest here, by the way, we have got an unusual Sunday here in that we're having a gift week, and uh, this is the first Sunday of a gift week. And uh, we'll be taking up an offering later on. If you're a guest with us, please feel under no obligation to give whatsoever. Okay, This is for uh, this church family to express its faith in God, this offering. Okay, If you want to get involved, that's up to you. But there's no pressure or obligation. Uh, Please, uh, when it comes to that point, just let the baskets pass you by. And uh, just to say, if you're listening to this online at church and you're thinking, we've missed this Sunday, don't worry. Uh, You still will have an opportunity to give over the next couple of Sundays, so don't worry about that. You will get your opportunity to respond to the word and also to respond in giving as part of that. Um, We're in a a preaching series we're calling Encounters with Jesus, and today uh, we're going to be uh, in the Gospel of Mark, which is where we've based the whole series. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5, the Gospel of Mark chapter 5, if you want to be turning to that in your Bibles. And we're going to be reading from verse 21. And the reason we're doing this series, Encounters with Jesus, we felt it was really important uh, for two reasons. Uh, One, when folk encounter Jesus, we can see how he changes their lives. And that stirs faith in our hearts and expectancy in our hearts for God to do likewise. Because we each need encounters with Jesus. But secondly, also, we are aware we need to be empowered and equipped to help others encounter Jesus. And so this morning, as we're in the Word, as as we have been the last few weeks, and as we will be right the way through until Christmas, looking at this series, I hope we're coming ready both to encounter him afresh for ourselves, but also as we meet him to be empowered and equipped to help others encounter him too. So, let's read this passage from uh, Mark chapter 5. In my Bible, it's entitled, A Dead Girl and a Sick Woman. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there, been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. 
and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered. And then you ask him, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And we're going to pause there, but just to say, if you continue to read on, you will read how actually while Jairus' daughter is, uh, has died, Jesus goes and sees her raised to full health. Because our God is a good God who loves to heal and set people free. And Father, we ask as we're in your word now, Lord, help us to hear from you. Help us to grab hold of your word. Let it shape and fill our minds and stir faith in our hearts that we can be an encounter for others to you, Jesus. We can be those people who help people encounter Jesus. And Lord, we want to meet with you as well here today. Come meet with us. Come and work in our hearts and lives that we'd be more and more like Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We love you. We worship you. Come and fill us. Fill us in every way. Meet with us in your word, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't know about you, um, whether you like crowds or not, when I was quite small, every October half term, um, my mother would take my brother and I up for a day trip to London. Now, this day trip was very carefully planned because uh, my brother and I, my immediately older brother and I, have birthdays on consecutive days. And uh, they're in October, and they're just as half term starts. And so we had loot. We had cash in our hands, and the best toy shops we all know are in Regent Street, and they're called Hamleys. And so we would do a visit to London every year to go to Hamleys during October half term. And we loved it. We loved it, but I think I was quite small probably when we first did it. Maybe I was five or six, something like that. And London was nowhere near as crowded as it is now. But I used to remember being in the crowds and thinking, I've got to hold on to my mum's hand really tightly, particularly if we were there during commuter time and it was on the tube. Because there was that sense of you're in a crowd and yet you could get lost so easily. You could lose the person you were trying to be with so easily. And then my father, uh, I think, trying to help us to become mature, etc., used to say, watch out, there are pickpockets. They could take your money out of your pockets. Now, in reality, actually, we had very little money in our pockets because mum had our loot. But there was that sense of crowds. And I don't know whether you like crowds or not. Some people are in a crowd and they go, yeah, this is great. There's that sort of sense of energy and dynamism which comes out of a crowd. Others of us may go, oh, I hate 
backgrounds. Maybe some of your own experiences just coming back to mind, and you're thinking, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm with you on one side or the other side of this. Imagine the crowd which was following Jesus. Imagine it. They, by now, people knew that he did miracles. Wherever Jesus went, there were crowds. Big crowds pressing in, wanting to get near the big man, wanting to see what he's going to do next, what miracle is going to happen next. Crowds of people with great expectation. Crowds who are going, yeah, we, we just want to see what's next. Crowds who are probably even thinking, hey, we quite like what he's saying to the religious authorities. Yeah, Jesus, you landed one on the leg. Well done. Crowds who had all sorts of expectation. And now imagine a lady who's in this crowd and knows she shouldn't be there. She's, Why shouldn't she be there, you ask Andrew? Why shouldn't she be there? She was unclean. She was ceremonially unclean according to the law. Now, whether people knew that she was unclean or whether she was undercover and hoping nobody would suss, we don't know. But the reality is this lady, if people knew, she would be a pariah because she had been ceremonially unclean for 12 years. That means she shouldn't have had physical contact with anybody else during that time. This meant that uh, she would have effectively become an outcast from society. She wouldn't have been allowed to the temple for worship. She, she would have had to hold back in so many ways. If you want to understand the restrictions which have been on her, go and read Leviticus 15. It will unpackage for you what was going on at this time. This lady was not welcome in society. And yet somehow she manages to secrete herself in a crowd. Somehow she is prepared to take risk and come into a crowd and sort of break the rules, the rules, the social norms of the day. The other option, of course, is people didn't know she was. And she was there fearful that people would find out. Constantly living in fear that people would find out. That she's, she's come uh, having hidden something. Either way, for her to be there was incredibly brave. She was pressing through in ways in which people weren't meant to. And if that wasn't bad enough, she was going to touch the robes of the purest, most spotless son of God, who was without spot or blemish, who was totally clean. She was going to come and touch his robes. Frankly, she was going to do something outrageous. She knew she shouldn't touch anyone. And yet here was this holy God, a holy man, uh, uh, the son of God. And she was going to come and touch his robes. She was going to make him unclean in doing so. Her uncleanliness, her uncleanness was going to touch, as she touched his robes, he would become ceremonially unclean. And yet this lady, this brave lady was going to uh, do this. Why? Why was she going to do this? Well, because she was desperate. She was desperate. She'd been suffering for 12 years. Can you imagine suffering for 12 years? You know, sickness going on for 12 years, that's just debilitating. 
And not only that, she'd been to every doctor she could find. And they hadn't been able to make her well. And to be frank, some of what she would have gone through with those doctors, we would probably call crackery nowadays. There would have been treatments which, frankly, our medical science nowadays would look on and go, that's not medical. That's not going to help her. She would have gone through all sorts of different treatments and uh, so-called cures. And in the process, she'd also made herself poor. She'd impoverished herself. So actually, not only was she still ill and living with suffering for 12 years, but also now she was poor. She was destitute. She had nothing left. She'd used everything she got. Why was she coming to Jesus? Desperation. Desperation. We see it in, 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 this, um, in this passage we read. Um, it says verse uh, 20, well, we'll start verse 28. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. She got hold of a sense of who Jesus was. She knew he healed people. And she was desperate. She needed healing. Boy, did she need healing. Twelve years of sickness, which had radically changed her whole life, which had affected every aspect of her life. She was desperate. Man, was she desperate. So she thinks to herself, she's thinking to herself, do you know, we, what we think affects what we do. It affects our faith. You can't uh, believe something without thinking about it. What do you think about Jesus? What do we think about Jesus? Do we see him as almighty as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords, as the Son of God, as the pure one, this pure spotless one who died for the sins of the world. How do you see God? Do you see him as good as we were singing about earlier on? Because he is. What we believe about him will affect our faith. What we think in our heads, what we allow to go on in our heads will affect how we respond to Jesus. This woman demonstrates bravery by coming to touch Jesus. But boy, does she also demonstrate great faith. Great faith to encounter Jesus. Knowing that he can change everything. And he does in her life. So here she comes. She touches the robe of Jesus, the pure, spotless, perfect, clean Son of God. And she's instantly healed. And she knows it. It's going through her body. She can tell her body has just changed like that. Bam. Major impact. Wonderful. And the, the sense of relief must have been phenomenal. I've been healed. And then what happens? Oh, no. Oh, no. Jesus is turning around. Jesus is going to embarrass her. Jesus is trying to work out who has touched his robes. The last thing she needs is now to be told off. She knows she's got something from him. She knows she's been healed. She knows she's touched the pure, spotless Son of God as an unclean woman. She knows she's been healed. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Is he going to scold her? He's looking for her. He's searching in the crowd. His disciples are saying, no, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There's lots of people. Jesus goes, no, I want to interact with this person. I want to have more than just her touch my robes. I want to interact with her. I really want to encounter her. 
And she pauses. Is she going to respond? Is she going to say? Is she going to admit what she's done? Is she going to risk shame and ridicule or contempt? Is he going to publicly humiliate her? Is he going to tell her off? Can she really admit what she's done? Yes. Because then Jesus treats her with love, with compassion, with mercy. He restores her to a full life. He frees her from the shame she's felt. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Wow. I wonder if she hadn't admitted it, whether she would have stayed healed or not. I wonder. But daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. For a lady who's not known peace for 12 years, go in peace. Wow. And be freed. Be freed from your suffering. Be freed from your suffering. That's incredible. What a statement. This is what happens when we encounter Jesus. He changes everything. He changes everything. For this, life, for this lady's life, her life has completely changed because she's put her faith in Jesus. And you know, each one of us, or many, most of us in this room, would be able to tell different but similar stories about how we were unclean in our sin and our shame, and we were embarrassed about the stuff we had done. And for some of us, it will be about sickness as well. And other, others of our stories will be about other aspects of life and how life takes hold of us and tries to squeeze us and wring, us, wring out the life out of us and destroy us and how sin and shame embarrasses us and how it separates us from others. And then we can say too, we touched the robe of Jesus. Jesus came and revealed himself to us. And he's good. And he's set us free. And he's changed our lives. And he's taken away the shame. And he's given us peace. And he's healed us. He's restored our relationship with our creator God, who's always wanted to know us. And isn't that precious and isn't that special? Amen? Amen. we think about Jesus? You see, I think for some of us, having come to that saving faith, perhaps then we pull back in our relationship with him. And having gone away from that desperation of, God, I'm, I'm lost without you. I need you so much. Then so often we then build our own faith in other things. And we dilute our trust in God. And perhaps we don't then always expect to walk in that freedom, to see his unconditional love, to enjoy his unconditional love, his mercy, his grace, his acceptance. And sometimes we allow guilt and condemnation to come back in where it shouldn't have a place in our lives. For some today, God wants to call us back to him. Where we've drifted, we've compromised, he wants to call us back. Come back to that desperate faith. Come back 
to that sold out. I'm sold out for everything else. I'm so fed up of the way I'm living. I'm, I, I'm, I'm chucking it all in. I'm chucking it all in. I'm risking everything. I'm risking everything to encounter Jesus. Everything. I'm, there's nothing I'm going to hold back. I just want to encounter him. I want to know him. I want to know that love. I want to know that grace. I want to know that filling of his Holy Spirit again. Friends, if you're in that place today, make the choice. It's something which has to happen up here. Because in your head, you know that God is good. And that God welcomes us into his family. And that we can trust him. That he is totally trustworthy. That he is good all the time. All the time. But then we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. Will I encounter him? Will I hold back? Will I touch out? Will I reach out for his robe? Will I hold back? Folk, let's be a church of people who are constantly reaching out for the robe of Jesus, constantly looking out to encounter him in everyday life. Are we going to do that? Perhaps a good question to ask ourselves is this. Do I seek to encounter Jesus every day? Because he's there. He's available every day. Or am I quite happy really just to encounter him on a Sunday, but let's leave him for the rest of the week? Am I happy to say, well, yeah, I don't want too much of an encounter. It's okay just to see him walk past, but I don't actually want to touch him. Touching him changes me. Do I really want to change? Do I really want that encounter with him? You know, it's a helpful question to reflect every so often on. and Just ask ourselves. It's sort of like a, a, a spiritual health check, an MOT. Do I really want to encounter him? Do I want to encounter him today? Because he is available to meet with us today. Today. Even now. Because he loves his people. He delights in us. He chooses us. Will we be a, a church who look to encounter Jesus daily? Knowing all that he can do. But then, you know, there's a link question, which is this. Will we be that sort of church which helps others encounter Jesus every day? You see, Jesus changes everything. He makes a way for anyone to come to him. But how does he do it? He does it through his people. He does it through us, individually and corporately. And I guess sometimes one has to take a step back as a church and go, are we that sort of church? Do we want to be that sort of church where the, the, the people who feel like outcasts can come and meet Jesus? For whatever reason they feel like, like outcasts, maybe because they feel unclean, maybe because they're sick, maybe because they're needy, maybe because they're hurting. Are we going to be that sort of church which creates opportunities for people to touch the robe of Jesus? I'm not just talking about Sundays, because if it's all about Sundays, we're missing something, because church is us. It's not a meeting, it's us as a community, and that's a 24-7 community. Are we going to be that sort of church which helps people to encounter Jesus every day? 
And that's an individual choice. You have to make that choice today. We, each one of us, need to make that choice today. But you know, there are some corporate things also which will help people encounter Jesus, which we can choose to do together. And I just want to give a a couple of examples. You know, we have lots and lots of ministries in this church, and they're amazing. One Way, Stepping Stones, Youth, Cap, all sorts of other stuff. What role do you play as part of this church in helping people encounter Jesus? Maybe you're involved in one of those ministries. Great if you are. Thank you for what you do. I guess that's probably 60-70% of the people in this room, probably something like that. Well done. That's brilliant. But let's make sure also we're helping people encounter Jesus through our normal jobs, as neighbours, as being good friends. And we can do that together. We don't have to do it individually. Fishing in the Bible is not about one man with a rod. It's about a village going out together with a net. When we go fishing, we go together. Let's do it with one another. Another way, though, we can help people meet Jesus and encounter him is through this building. Now you may say, well, through a building? I thought you said the church isn't a building. It's not. But God has blessed us with a phenomenal facility which serves our town. We have three to 4,000 people from our town come through this building every month. Lots of them are repeat people. You know, they may come through three, four, five times a month. It's a phenomenal facility. It's a great tool. It's also a demonstration of something of God, that actually a bunch of people who are not wealthy or rich can give and have vision to create a building which serves our community in such a way. And we want to work more on that. We want to make this place more and more a center, a beacon of hope, a beacon of grace, a beacon of mercy, a place which speaks of the grace and love and mercy of Jesus, which says, you ever need Jesus, you can encounter him here. You can encounter him here because the people here are here to help Folks, encounter Jesus because the facility works in such a way which helps people to encounter Jesus. And progressively over the next season, we'll be working more and more and more with the team which we already have and growing that and making other alterations to help people meet Jesus day by day. While this building is an amazing blessing, could I also just highlight that actually we have a bit of a distraction with this building. It's called a mortgage. And you know, it doesn't have to be a restriction, and it doesn't have to be a distraction. And the best way of removing it is to clear our mortgage. Yeah? That's a big amount of money. I'm not sure what the exact numbers are at this moment in time. It changes every month, but... Ballpark 850, 875,000 pounds, something like that. Hang on a moment, Andrew. What have I got in my pockets? Oh, 72p, would that help? Yes. Because God takes small things, He takes faithfulness, and He multiplies it. 
but he also multiplies it in our hearts and helps us to come outrageous in our giving, hilarious in our giving, to press forward for something to help people encounter Jesus. And so today we're coming to a gift week, beginning of a gift week. There'll be an opportunity next week as well to give into this gift week. And what we've said is we'd love to see the mortgage cleared no later than the end of 2020. But it could be earlier. We don't actually have to wait till the end of 2020. Nothing is holding us back to the end of 2020. And to do this, uh, we're having a gift week. And you'll have had on your chair a pledge card. And you may just want to pick it up for a moment because I'm going to explain it to us just to help us with today's gift week. If you want to find one, there should be one on every chair, so hopefully uh, there's uh, plenty around. If you can't find one, just wave your hand and we'll get one to you now. Just wave if you can't find one because I'd love you, everybody, to have one of these who's in this room at this moment in time. And it says Building Fund Gift Day Pledge 2016 at the top. And then you can fill it in. You can put your name, your phone number, your email. That's just so we have a way of making contact with you. Now, there's multiple ways you can give to help pay the mortgage and to clear the mortgage for this building. The first one is this. You may want to put a one-off gift in. Now, you may have not come with the necessary resources. You may even feel God stirring something in your spirit where you're going, do you know what? I think I want to give more than I originally planned, and I don't have that on me. I can't write that check here and now. There isn't a cash point, whatever it may well be. And if you want to make a pledge to give an amount... You can fill box number one in, where it says one-off gift. We would like to pledge the following amount to Harvest Church. You fill in the amount, and you can uh, underline or, or, or delete the other two and say when you think you'll be able to redeem that pledge. Because for some of us, maybe it will take a few weeks. But you can fill that in. And that's a way of giving today as part of our gift week. I should say, for others of us, you may have come, and you may have those resources on you. You may have cash which you want to give, or you may have a check you want to give. If you've got a check, you're welcome just to put it in the offering when it comes round. By the way, if you don't know how to make out the check, or you're not sure it is on the back of the card, it's Grain House Trust Buildings. Okay, Grain House Trust Buildings. If you've got cash, and you gift aid, you gift aid money to the church. That is, you have a gift aid uh, you, you filled in a gift aid form because you're a UK taxpayer, then please grab one of these envelopes in a minute. You'll have an opportunity in a minute. They're, they're on the table just over to my left, to your right. It just says building funds, and you put your name on it. That way we can identify and prove to the inland revenue that you have given this money as cash, and we can uh, claim the, the tax back on it. Uh, if you've never filled in a gift aid form, but you're a UK taxpayer, you could also pick up one of our giving leaflets, which look like this, which are also on the table. And on the left-hand side, you can fill in the gift aid form here and now. All the information you need will probably be in your head, because it's very simple. You just need name, address, and a signature, and a date. So anybody can fill one of those in. So if you're a UK taxpayer and you're planning on giving today, whether it's by cash or cheque, and you've never filled in a gift aid form, please grab one of these leaflets and fill in the gift aid form and put that in the offering along with your cash or whatever else you want to give. 
Now, I know this is a lot of instructions, and you know, if you struggle at all with any of this, you're welcome to grab somebody and we'll help you. Okay? If, though, you're thinking, I'm not sure I've got any capital, I've not got a large amount I can give, but I'd love to give regularly, then box two on this card's for you. It says, I want to start regular giving to the building fund. Now, can I just highlight, this is to the building fund. If you don't yet give to the church general fund, could I urge you to start initially by giving to the church general fund? Because the church general fund covers all the ministries we're about as a church. And biblically speaking, that's where we start with our giving. We give to the ministry of the church, first of all. But if you're actually already giving regularly to the church and you want to start giving to the building fund, then box two is for you. Box two's for you. And all you need to do at this point is you say, I'd like to give this much a month for a number of months, or you can tick open-ended, which is great. And when you can start. And we'll make sure you get the right information you need then to set up that standing order. Or you can just take it, because again, it's in this leaflet here. It's on the back page of that leaflet there. Maybe you're already giving, though, to the church, general, uh, church building fund and you want to adjust your giving. You want to continue your giving. Or you just want to say, I'm standing with you in this. I'm already giving, but I just want to restate that I'm, I'm, I'm here on this journey together. And you could just write in the same amount that you're already giving or you're an increased amount in box three. And that's just a way of you being able to still say, I'm still giving. This is still my choice. I'm still giving to this. I want to help people encounter Jesus. I want to play my part. This is a way in which I can contribute to helping people encounter Jesus. Now, there the probably is going to be some questions. And if you're unsure, ask somebody, grab somebody and ask them. Hopefully, the person next to you will be able to help you. If they can't help you, try the next one along. And uh, we'll have some chaos and mayhem in a moment. But hopefully, somebody will be able to explain that if you don't know how to do that. And so what we're going to do in a few minutes is we're going to come back into that place of uh, worship. Now, actually, all of our time together is worship, but that's sung worship to God. And during the first song, if you need any of these bits of paper or you need a pen to fill them in, just feel free to walk across to the table on, the, on, on your right, on, on my left. The table over there, you'll find pens, you'll find these, you'll find giving envelopes, you'll find, uh, the, you'll find everything you need over there. And uh, I wonder actually, sorry, I haven't asked in advance, Steve, Tudor Price, would you mind coming over to that table and you can answer anybody's questions? Would that be okay? Oh, okay, well, you won't get it to count yet until we've uh, done that. Okay, and I wonder, Rita, would you be able to help as well? That would be great, thank you. So Steve and Rita will be over there. Please don't be embarrassed to ask them. They're just there to help, okay? They're just there to serve you and help you. And then in the second song, after, we fin after I finish preaching, we will take up our offering. So that's time to fill in, to respond, and then we'll take up our offering. Folks, our target is we'd love to see our regular giving increase to the building fund. This is regular giving to the building fund to increase from approximately 4,000 a month to 6,000 a month. And we're praying for a capital that is cash or check or pledged one-off gifts totaling 50,000 pounds. And that would be a massive step towards seeing our mortgage cleared by 2020, by the end of 2020. We need faith. 
We need to know that we can reach out to Jesus and touch his robe. We need to know that we can put our faith into practice and he'll meet with us. And giving is one of those things which is a sign of faith. It's a sign of I'm trusting God. The world says trust yourself. Look after yourself. Make sure number one is the priority. The kingdom of God's different. The kingdom of God's totally different. It's just give. Give, give, give. Not just financially give. Give of yourself. Abandon yourself to his kingdom in every way. And he will look after you. He will meet all of our needs. All of our needs. Because totally, he is totally trustworthy. He's totally good and trustworthy. And once we've taken up our offering, we will then have an opportunity to pray for one another. Because maybe today you're here and you're thinking, I need an encounter with Jesus. Maybe you want to find out about who Jesus is for the very first time. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, I need an encounter with Jesus. I need healing. I want somebody to stand with me and pray for healing. For some of us who've got conditions like this lady, which have been going on for many, many, many years. And even if you've been prayed for before, we'll pray again because one day we are looking for God to break in and heal people and set people free, even if it's been going on for years. Even if you've been prayed for a dozen times, two dozen times, a hundred times, let's keep looking to Jesus because he is the one who does it. He's the one who sets people free. He's the one who brings new life. Maybe it's a different sort of encounter you need with Jesus today. Let's understand this. He's here. He's here. And he wants to encounter us. Are we going to reach out and touch the robe of Jesus? Are we going to, or are we going to hide in the crowd? Are we going to say, oh, I'm unclean. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Are we going to understand that God welcomes us and says, come, everyone, no matter how clean or dirty you feel, no matter how complex your life is, he welcomes us. Are we going to encounter him today? Let's take up our offering at this point. So, if we could have the worship team back, we're going to come and we're going to sing two songs. During the first song, if you need help filling in those forms... Or if you need any information, head across to the table on your right, my left. Uh, and Rita and Steve, if you can head across there now, they will be there to help. Uh, Rita works for the church, just to explain if you don't know. Uh, she works for the church in finances and looks after our finances. And Steve is our treasurer. So these are trustworthy, good people who will be able to help you with whatever you need to know. And so let's stand and enjoy him